I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. So, Dustin, as you might have noticed from my Instagram feed, I did have a soiree to the inauguration of yeah, our president, down vice there. president. Yeah, you know, as you said, mm-hmm. on location. On location. <laughs> we just history being a part of history. Okay. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I have to say it was extremely special, very different mm-hmm. from any inauguration I've attended uh, in my past journalistic capacities because right, COVID, right? right. Um, and also because, oh, I don't know, there happened to be a white supremacy riot on the nation's capital just a couple weeks before. Um, mm. So I, I, just so you know what it looked like on the ground, all kinds of National Guard and high level of security. So I, I think everyone felt extremely protected. The Wonderful. level of, yeah, the level of credential checks i mean you could not make a left turn basically anywhere in dc without your credentials so mm-hmm. that was on, on on par obviously my thought was where was all this fucking security when we needed it two weeks ago but i digress it was there for in the crowd that's where they were yeah. <laughs> right Ooh. a part of the riot that's where they were but yeah, anyway you know. nonetheless up in, up in nancy's office that's what you said yeah okay. that's where they were Um, But they were there in a protective stature for inauguration. We were in independent. Yeah, we were in independent pods, like each outlet. So like in front Mm -hmm. of us was like CNN, but Mm -hmm. PBS behind us and Revolt. We had our own little pod and it was great, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be on the national lawn uh, and and the national mall rather. I'm so country. Look at me about the national lawn. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) National (laughs) mall. I mean, technically, you know, it is a lawn. I saw grass. (laughs) 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 Not doing this with you, Dustin. I'm not doing this with you today. Um, It was it was great. It was just great to be to be in the moment. Moment. And I did buy that white uh, fur, faux faux, uh, faux fur, you know, that don't even mm-hmm. sound right coming out of my mouth. But when I get my whole <laughs> coin situation together, that's, that's going to be different. Right. Okay. You know, and, and, and Peter and whoever else, we can have a discussion, but I'm yeah. not playing with y'all. Right. I wish um, they would. Listen, so. Uh, this week, I'm really excited, Dustin, because, you know, we have been uh, angling for him and pitching to him and and our fantastic booking producer, Keith, came through mm-hmm. with Ben Cohen, uh, Ben of Ben and Jerry's, who has, you know, Ben and Jerry's been about that life of social justice and yes, they have. Uh, ending white supremacy and doing so loudly and proudly and boldly. And, mm-hmm. and we got Ben Cohen joining us later on Holding Court. And right. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. He he put out a a piece in light of the racial riots, the white supremacist riots. And he said, this is basically some white people shit. You know, Mm -hmm. this is some white people shit. And we need to dismantle this supremacy just like we built it. And when he said that, I said, oh, we got to get him on holding court. And been looking for you. There you are. (laughs) We've been looking for your ass. And we found you and you're joining us today on holding court. We can't wait. But first, of course, as always, we got to get into this week's docket. And first up on the docket, I got to start with this salt and pepper uh, scandal, honey. It's a scandal, Justin. Yes, it is. So we all know over the weekend, Lifetime premiered the Salt and Pepper uh, made for TV movie. Yes. And some folks like myself watched it, and many people did not watch it mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons, but some were protesting basically mm-hmm. because they felt a way 
um, that it was completely out of line for the movie to not have DJ Spinderella as a part of the production and execution of the film. So let me start. I was wanting to get your opinion on this, but I said, let me save it for the show. Dustin Ross, did you, cultural connoisseur, watch <laughs> the Salt and Pepper movie? I started watching the Salt and Pepper movie and then I taken away due to other obligations. However, I'm very familiar with that the story spicy. behind and it, and it was hot. Okay. <laughs> but I'm very, I'm very familiar. I almost burned myself almost being the key word. Now here's the thing. Yeah. I'm not doing this Ebony, but anyway, <laughs> I'm very aware of the story behind Spinderella and the mm. legal action that has ensued, you know, around her feeling like there was an erasure that took place. Yes. And, leaving her out of, I guess, some monetary things and financial mm -hmm. matters with the group and kind of just diminishing her role. And let us, uh, Salt, let's be clear, Salt, Cheryl James, I believe is her name. She's going on the record saying that Spinderella is not a member of Salt and Pepper. Now, I always thought Spinderella was the N. It was Salt, the N, which is Spinderella and then Pepper. I thought it was three of them. Now, now you well, made that not. up. I did. It was you good, that right? Up. But that's but cute. It, yeah, you know. But <laughs> but cute, cute. apparently they're not having it. Uh, yeah. Salt said that they were firmly established already as a company, as an entity, and that Spinderella mm -hmm. was added to the mix. So I don't really know what's going on. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I was reading a lot on the um, the blogosphere and the social media feed saying that that many people felt and feel that Spinderella is as integral a member of Salt and Pepper mm -hmm. as like you said, Salt, Cheryl James, and Sandra, uh, Sandy, uh, Denton, mm -hmm. Pepper. Now, I'm of two minds. I feel that when, when I was really like coming of age to the point where Salt and Pepper and Push It and all that, mm -hmm. yes, I felt Spinderella was, I don't remember personally a Salt mm -hmm. and Pepper that did not include DJ Spinderella. I Same. don't remember that. Same. But, you know, and again, you got, you know, according to Cheryl James and Sandra Denton, they both, and I think it's an empirical fact that there was a DJ in the group that predated, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, let me get her, her government name correctly, Deidre Roper. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that previous DJ also went by the moniker of DJ Spinderella. So it's, yeah. it, it, it could be argued. And I think this is the legal argument that Salt and Peppa rely upon, which is, that role of DJ Spinderella was a pre-existing um, kind of vertical of the group mm -hmm. and then simply was recast to include Deidre when she was mm -hmm. only 15 years old. And so therefore, like you said earlier, Dustin, it's salt and pepper as a group, as a business entity, pre-existed the addition of Deidre Roper. So therefore, she was somebody that could be included at their will and thus excluded at their will <laughs> okay that's their argument that's their argument um very interesting so so from a legal standpoint because i wanted to go back to the the filing and when this all became a legal matter okay so let's go back to 2019 uh this is when cheryl and sandy okay salt mm -hmm. and peppa gave dj spinderella a termination letter Okay. Damn. Firing. Yeah, they, they gave her a letter firing her. And listen, again, Dustin, we're in the business. So if you're not happy with, oh, I don't know, you're you agent, a change. Or you're this, you make a change. And how do you do it? You do a written letter of termination. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. how, trust me, I learned that shit the hard way. Without that written letter of termination, <laughs> it's going to be consequences and repercussions. Okay. Yikes. So that's what they did, thinking, okay, we're handling business appropriately. DJ Spinderella, Deidre felt differently. 
she got this termination letter in January of 2019 and she wasn't having it. So she filed a civil lawsuit after learning that the group had made over, she claims, $600,000 in profits uh, from things that which she had never received a cut. And this included uh, them going on tour with, I believe it was New Kids on the Block. Yeah, and, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, and some other things, yeah, that, that they had had, you know, a lot of monetary gain from that she was all excluded from. So she sues. She also says, and this is according to Jasmine Brand we're citing here. Shout out to Jasmine Brand. Yes. That's my soul war. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> uh, Roper's tumultuous relationship with the group started mm -hmm. in 1999. So that's a long time ago when she mm -hmm. was told she would receive a third of the royalties from the group's best of album. But again, DJ Spinderella claims she never received any money, nor was she included in the VH1 series. This was... Um, years ago mm -hmm. and she says that she did not receive payment when the group performed at the billboard music awards back in 2018 so that's like goodness i mean that's almost 20 years of problems i mean Oof. according to this i mean on and off you know what i mean and this is again <sighs> a direct quote of from jasmine brand article insiders responded and said that spinderella is not an owner that's a legal term, an owner in the salt and pepper brand. So mm. she cannot sue for trademark infringement. And then they added that no one received compensation for the Billboard Music Awards performance and that she was paid as an independent contractor for the best of album. OK, so the, these are, again, are a lot of allegations, nothing that we can totally confirm because a lot of these documents, Dustin, um, have been. Uh, not for public consumption. Right. Because what happened in 2019 when DJ Spinderella filed the civil suit for, she whew, she came with it, she, trademark infringement, breach of contract, and fraud were mm -hmm. some of those charges. The district court, because again, this is all federal, actually uh, defaulted that suit to mediation. And okay. we know, again, in most all of these entertainment contracts, that is where it's regulated to. We almost always have a clause that requires mediation, uh, yes. an attempt to reconcile it in a mediation capacity before we get to go to litigation. Okay. And it's my understanding that this was settled with financial payment of some sort to DJ Spinderella in, mitig in mitigation, uh, mitigation, <laughs> mediation. Okay. Yeah. And so, but it seems like that will also then clearly identify her role in this group right. and, and what she is um, entitled to. I don't understand why that wasn't more defined, especially if this is a concern that she's had since the goddamn 90s. Since the 90s. Like, where's your where's your team? Where are the people who can say any Ebony, you know, I know the role I play on this show. You know, the role that you play in projects that you're involved in. And it's clear you define that in the beginning right. and then there's no misunderstanding or, or no room to misinterpret anything. This is what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think happened. I think as young women, when they started working together, particularly Spinderella, who was only mm -hmm, 15, mm -hmm. uh, it's this notion of friendship. You know what I mean? And we're friends and we kicking it and we just happen to do business together. And that's mm -hmm. a poor business premise. Okay. Very. Very poor. We can be friendly. Yeah. We can even have a friendship. Yeah. But first and foremost, when it comes to the business dealings, that has to be very clearly articulated. Yeah. And, and and I think you're right. I think it wasn't. Uh, and in, to an extent that we can believe any of the arguments Peppa and Salt have made here, um, Cheryl and Sandy, mm -hmm. it does look like they were a pre-existing company, an entity. And mm -hmm. basically, DJ Spinderella was an employee for hire. 
That's what uh, it looks like. Okay. That's what okay. it looks like. So therefore, they do maintain some of the creative rights and licensing of the name salt and pepper of the content probably the catalog of music all of those things right and so when they decided to do this lifetime television production they were able to do so because trust and believe if they weren't that would have been another opportunity for litigation for yeah. dj spinderella aka deidre to file an injunction Mm. against Cheryl and Sandy from even doing this with lifetime period. The fact that she didn't file that tells me that the business entity did exclude her legally. Uh, but I understand that where people were coming from, D was just kind of, let's put the law aside and it just don't seem right. Just don't feel right. Um, I was curious. I was nosy. So I watched mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I would say. I think Peppa and Salt told their side and mm -hmm. as they have every legal right to do. Frankly, I thought the movie was fine. I think Lifetime has done better. Okay. It was a little drawn out for my taste. Three okay. hours. It was okay. a little bit much. You know, I'm not. A, lot, a whole lot of salt and pepper. <laughs> it was a lot. And, you know, mm, it was mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, congratulations to the sisters. I always love to see black stories um, on these of platforms. Course. And it's great. And Lifetime, honey, they get into their black story bag, baby. We yes, got the Elia Jackson story coming up. Yes. Wendy Williams is next week. I mean, they are here for black women's stories, probably because they know they're very profitable. That's but right. Either way, they're telling them. So here's the good news. As Spinderella has said publicly on social media, She's going to be able to tell her story in her upcoming memoir, which is the right thing. Like, you know, mm -hmm. instead of if you can't beat them, join them. They've That's told when their it's side. Be good too. Yeah. They, right. That's when the <laughs> shit is going to start. Once that memoir come out, baby, because, you know, Pepper going to get mad. Right. Pepper is going to get mad and start talking shit. And Talk this is when shit. it's about to get about to get good. I'm reading it. Yeah, so she's coming out. You're still messy ass. <laughs> I'm so she's it. coming out with her memoir to tell her version. And frankly, Dustin, that's all she can do. Yeah. That's all she can do. She is not going to be able to have an injunction or any kind of injunctive relief, which would stop in its tracks Peppa and Salt from telling their side. You're not in a position to do that because you don't probably have ownership rights to these women or their story. So all mm -hmm. you can do is tell your side. So you know what? That's where that's going to be. I have a feeling about this, Ebony. I, mm -hmm. You know, I, I often say, you know, keep it player. You know what I'm you saying? Do. Keep it playing your decision making. It mm -hmm. is absolutely um, everyone knows that Spinderella, Spinderella was a part of the salt and pepper brand. When you think about salt and pepper, you think mm -hmm. about DJ Spinderella absolutely. and salt and pepper know that themselves. Make it right. Do good business by people. This is something that we really shouldn't even know about. They should have been able to handle this right. in house without all the lawyers, you know, compromise, bend a little bit and, and pay pay respect and reverence to your group and what it meant to your life and your success by honoring it and doing good business by people. Pay Spinderella and make sure that she is 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 satisfied with that and treated fairly. I believe in doing good business. Well I do too. But yeah. I think she should be paid absolutely for her services and very fairly. But I do tend to have some understanding of where salt and pepper i think when you create mm -hmm. i think this is where i have a little bit of em empathy is probably not the right word understanding mm -hmm. of where salt and pepper are coming from when you from scratch create the entity and then you invite other talent or other creatives or other executives on board the capacity matters. That's what yeah, I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Capacity matters. So if we're the owners, if me and you, Dustin Roth, mm -hmm. let's just say 
you know, now I I created Holding Court, Ebony K. Yes, Williams. Yes, you did. Brought you on in the early stages. So we got a thing going on. Mm-hmm. If we decided we wanted to bring a third party mm-hmm. into the thing, well, that's something we could do. But when it goes back to that trailer episode, mm-hmm. it's me and you on that episode. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So like, if, I feel like fast, five years fast forward, if there was a third voice on this show, they're not going to ever operate in the capacity of us, the original co-host of the show, operate. Does that that's make sense? Right. It's perfect. It means we don't we don't really have an open relationship. We just only play together. That's all it means. Right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking about. Okay, so next up on the docket, the story that just won't won't go anywhere, and it probably shouldn't go anywhere. This Tory Lanez and Meg The Stallion, who child? Yeah. So. Can't believe everything you read on the internet, good folks. I was getting all kinds of texts and getting blown up. See, mm-hmm. see, they dropped the charges. They dropped the charges. Relax. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tory Lanez and Camp uh, were putting out information and suggestive social media posts indicating that the charges of him, uh, felony charges of uh, shooting, uh, assaulting Meg the Stallion with a semi-automatic weapon and several other charges were dismissed. That was very mm-hmm. clearly the social media campaign released by Tory and company. That turned out to be a lie. Okay. Going back, those that don't remember, July of 2020, uh, it was, you know, it's now been reported that Tori and Meg and Meg's best friend were in a car. Mm -hmm. An argument ensued between Meg and Tori Lanes as Meg was exiting. So tells Meg she was shot in the both feet, I think. Right. Um, at least one. At least one. Right, right. <laughs> a foot slash both feet. On foot. Yeah. The details. Good night. In a, in a pinky toe. I'm not yes. really sure. Uh, we'll get those details, I'm sure, at trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was certainly shot by uh, uh, Meg alleges by Tory Lanez, right. resulting in, again, like I said, him being charged with several felony counts, including assault with a, uh, a deadly weapon. Okay, yes. here we go. In November, Tory went to court. He pleaded not guilty to all of the charges. However, he is facing up to 22 years if convicted. Okay. And he, this is all happening in Los Angeles. He pleads not guilty in November of 2020. He's released on $190,000 bail and he has an order of protection to stay away from Meg the Stallion. Okay. Great. Awesome. Here we come. Just a couple of days ago, like I said, Tory and them put out this stuff that suggesting that the charges had been dropped very quickly within 24 hours. Meg addresses these rumors. Okay, Dustin, she comes out on social media on Twitter specifically, and she says this is all fake news. And once again, we could I felt I could feel the emotions from her tweet. Yeah, she was hot. She was hot. She's like, I'm so tired of this bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. um, mother effers are thinking that this is a game. You mm-hmm. know, y'all have to stop believing what you see on the internet. This is my life. Y'all are making memes and shit. It's hurtful. I am mm-hmm. a victim. And Tori's ass, no, he shot me and he's going to go to jail. That's yes, what she, she says. Did. Um, and so what I can tell you is that Tory is absolutely going back to court. OK, so it's the charges have not been dropped. Uh, his next court date is going to be February 25th. OK, wow. So a couple things, though, on this, I want to point out legally, Dustin. Number one, this the way Megan framed it, um, or at least the way it could be interpreted. I haven't dropped the charges against Tory. Now, that's that's an incorrect framing. And she probably just doesn't know what she's implying. Okay. So victims of crime, when it's criminal charges, they don't bring charges. Meg Thee Stallion did not bring charges against Tory Lanez for her alleged shooting. So she is not empowered to drop them. 
only the sitting prosecutor mm-hmm. can bring those charges and then decide to drop them. So it's not up to Meg is the point I'm making, Dustin, whether or not wow, okay. the charges stick or are dropped. It's up only to the prosecutor themselves. Now, they could consult with their complaining victim, which is who Meg is in this case, and say, hey, we're, we're running into proof problems. We're running into conflicting evidence. We're running into this. It looked like we might have to drop these charges but it, because it looks like we can't prove our case in court. And that's their standard. Yes. Not whether or not he even did it or not. That's not the standard, Dustin. Can we prove this beyond a reasonable doubt in court? That is the, obli- the, the, the ethical obligation each prosecutor is required to consider before bringing criminal charges. Okay. So okay. only the prosecutor can drop them. And I want to clear that up because it ain't up to you, Meg, you know, and it's not up to any victim. And people need to get clear on that. So I wonder what's going on then because obviously him and his team felt, well, maybe not. I wonder what made them release that fake headline. I'm like, I just wonder if there has been some kind of conversation, maybe about a shift in the investigation. It could be. It could be. Yeah. I mean, we don't, again, we're not, of course, privy to those conversations, what the district attorney is speaking with his lawyer about, but all of that's fair game and up in the air, you know? But you Um, know what? Uh, I'm sorry, because I didn't mean to cut you off, Ebony, but uh, uh, there were allegations previously about his team, his team rather, um, sending out some false emails and people who received the emails came forward saying that, yes, we received this information from Tory's team. So they've been throwing things at the wall, trying to see what would stick as far as reframing this narrative and and, and kind of shifting the story in his favor. So I'm wondering if these recent headlines are just another example of them kind of, you know, I hate to say it, but taking a shot, you know, to see what what will work. You know what I mean? I wonder if that's what they Your word choice is impeccable, Dustin I wonder if that's what um, so here's the thing. They've totally been litigating this case in the court of public opinion. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I have many thoughts on that, uh, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in another episode of Holding Court, which is when the trial happens before we enter the courtroom. And yeah. oftentimes that's the case. And that's certainly been the case here. There is so much public fodder, yeah. uh, so many armchair iPhone jurors when it oh comes to whether or not this woman was shot or not and whether or not he's guilty or not. So absolutely um, not surprised to see this from t- as soon as I saw it, though. I don't know if it's just because I've just been in the system long enough. I knew anything coming directly from the defense first was a lie. Because they would not be positioned to make that proclamation first. We would have immediately heard from the the L.A. County Prosecutor's Office. You know, L.A. This has been the headline, Dustin. L.A. Prosecutor's Office have decided to dismiss all charges against Tory Lanez in the alleged shooting of Meg Thee Stallion. That would have been the headline. And that's not what we saw. And that's not what we saw. So that let me know off gate it was some fabrication there. And I think that it's rumored to have come from the fact that people were going on the public domain to see when Tory's next court date was. And it was blank. Oh, and it was blank. Now, let me tell folks, stop going to law school on the Internet. (laughs) Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Okay, that only means that probably the clerk of the clerk of courts who is responsible for literally manually imputing okay mm-hmm. at, the, at the keyboard when the next hearing is probably was overworked it's covid you know if she was pro he or she was probably just not there yet to impute the new court date yeah so you know it's many and in fact i've actually seen this it's not funny but it's it's kind of so many people some of my former clients who miss mm-hmm. williams i looked on the thing i ain't seen all day we good we good nah bro we not good Okay. Slow your roll, homie. Slow your roll. <laughs> Ain't shit changed. We still got an answer for these damn charges. Yeah. We simply are awaiting 
a new appearance date. That's all this was. Ooh, I want to stop. I want people to stop going to law school online. Please, Lord really have do. mercy. I really do. But that's why we have this show. That's exactly why we have Holding Court. That's right. So folks can get the shit straight. So again, Tori will be back in court to account for the next phase of these charges, February 25th. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have much more Holding Court after this. Staying in the hip hop space, Soldier Boy. Who made? What the hell is going on with Soldier Boy? I read oh, that headline. No. I was like, Jesus Christ! Soldier Boy better tell him something. Soldier Boy, <laughs> shit. Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy, okay, is being accused of some really aggressive charges here, right, Dustin? Yeah. Um, all the way going up to rape. It's in a serious civil, stuff. Very serious stuff. Now, I want to be clear here. Unlike what's going on with Tory, those are criminal matters. The Soldier Boy uh, charges are currently, at least, in civil court. Okay. okay. So, a former personal assistant is accusing Soldier Boy of the following: locking her in a room for several days without water. Uh, physically and verbally abusing her, kicking her in the head to the point of unconsciousness, refusing to let her go, you know, holding her captive, all of these things. And once again, we're in L.A. Superior Court. Um, Just many, many, many horrific charges Mm, all mm, in this mm. civil suit. Now, she is being identified only as a Jane Doe to protect her privacy uh, and probably also, you know, rape shield law protects victims of accusations of rape around their identity. Uh, She does admit that at some point there was a consensual brief relationship but the charges excuse me not charges the the allegations her claims her civil claims against soldier boy say that that his actions far exceeded the boundaries of their brief consensual relationship he was um intimidating her punching her in the head on 10 separate occasions she claims body slamming her uh and again to the point of unconsciousness so uh, 2019 of February, she says, is when her first sexual assault by Soldier Boy occurred. Then she claims, Dustin, that he offered her a thousand dollars, and I'm sorry. Oh my god! My goodness, my goodness! Accusations at this point only. Soldier Boy, of course, denying those allegations, saying this in a statement to TMZ that Soldier Boy would quote never put his hands on a female. He wouldn't beat a woman or put his hands on a woman. This is nonsense. Um, I will put in this caveat, though, Dustin, this man, Soldier Boy, does have previous charges for uh, assault on a ex-girlfriend. Um, yep, exactly. He was sued by another woman who he was romantically involved with. And she also accused him of attacking her with a gun outside of a party in his home with Malibu, threatening that she was going to die uh, and things like this nature. So. You know, if you if if you're if there are multiple allegations of the same behavior, does it mean you did it? Not necessarily, but it, it is what we call um, corroborative yeah. evidence. It could be uh, seen as corroborative. So we're going to stay on this at holding court and see what happens with these very serious uh, civil litigation claims against Soldier Boy. Very serious, man. Mm. Let me ask you this: if if he is found liable, which would be the terminology if he was found, you know, kind of guilty, so to speak, of, of these allegations. Where are you on cancel culture? Meaning if he's found liable, do we still laugh at the Breakfast Club interview, like the memes and all of that? What do you think? Yeah, I think for me, cancel culture means um, controlling my dollars and not using my dollars huh. to support a person. 
So I wouldn't be buying personally. And that's a personal choice it's that people make decision. as consumers in the marketplace. Yeah. You and you're motivated however you are. You know what I mean? But for me personally, like I haven't listened to any Kanye West music since his Life of Pablo album because mm -hmm. I haven't connected with some of the things that he was doing in the media, the political stances that he was taking. I no longer wanted to support that or fund that with my dollars. So I didn't support. I didn't stream any of his music. I haven't listened to any of his new music. Won't be buying merch or going once outside opens back up i won't be attending any kanye west shows because mm -hmm. i'm not interested in him anymore mm -hmm. so hopefully that translates through the um how, however it looks like whatever it looks like for you in terms of an artist like soldier boy yeah um, after allegations like this are proven true so yeah. <sighs> it's deep bro it's deep okay next up on the docket Many folks very happy to see several of the grand jurors, three to be exact, from the Kentucky grand jury that was convened to decide the fates of the law enforcement officers accused of murdering Breonna Taylor. Three of those grand jurors have actually filed a petition in the Kentucky House of Representatives to impeach All Attorney right. General Daniel Cameron. Exactly. Uh, I know you texted me about it over the weekend. Yeah. The news broke. No, many folks happy. This is what accountability looks like. Right, Dustin? Yeah. Um, you know, you just can't be out here doing shit and thinking that, that people are not going to speak on it. Um, going back to our very first episode of Holding Court, you know, Breonna mm -hmm. Taylor, make it make sense. We broke this shit all the way down. Right, D? We Daniel sure Cameron, mm -hmm, the top cop in Kentucky as the state attorney general, had an hour long press conference where he alleged you know, that he showed all the evidence and he laid out all the opportunities for homicide charges to these grand jurors and that they decided ultimately that nothing could stick, that there was not enough evidence to bring any charges. And three of these grand jurors at least are saying now, Dustin, you ain't showed up nothing and had you showed us that our our response and decisions would have been different and i am so glad to see this headline ebony um we, it felt really hopeless um after he announced that there would be no charges or the the weak charges that they did announce where they were more angry with them for shooting the damn wall than they were for shooting brianna taylor that was insane we felt hopeless and so now that this is taking place, I feel a lot better. Get his ass out of there. He has no business being in that position. Yeah, it's it's real trash. And here's the thing. They are bringing, uh, this is the procedure, Kevin Glogauer. So those three grand jurors, Dustin, through their attorney, Kevin Glogauer, okay, who's representing the jurors, said this in a press release. The grand jurors did not choose this battle. The battle chose them. Mm -hmm. These are randomly selected citizens who were compelled to sit on a grand jury and were terribly misused, misused by the most powerful law enforcement official in Kentucky. And, and I think... I clearly understand what he means there, Dustin. He's mm -hmm. saying that his clients were scapegoated. They were scapegoated as being the the, the deciders of mm -hmm. an outcome that they're saying, we did not decide that because you did not give us what we needed to make an accurate, fair, and informed decision. Okay? Yeah. And that's important. Now, again, procedurally, they're filing a petition. It's going to the House of Representatives for this man to be impeached. Good. It's likely not going to go far because they have a super majority of Republicans. In the Kentucky. But the lawyer says this, and this is important. Just the mere continuing to talk about it, mm -hmm. the mere continuing to indict, at least in a public way, uh, in the in the in the press, in social media, Daniel Cameron's, they are calling inaccurate and improper use of his authority. That's important. Yeah. 
Here's why it's important, Dustin. It's important because going back to what we talked about a few weeks ago on the show, the new attorney general of the United States, he then will have that pressure to do something, to supersede a -hmm. state agency, in this case, Daniel Cameron, because the national groundswell will demand it. Because people are still talking about it. It's still in the ethos. People are still taking steps to get this man impeached from his position. And so that says, hey, Mr. Federal AG, Mm -hmm. come and do your thing. That's right. Good. He'll potentially get some justice for Sister Brianna and her family. This is great news. This is great news. Also, what was wild, Dustin, when when we dig further into this impeachment, the petition is also calling Daniel Cameron out. This dude is a member of the National Association of Republican Attorney Generals, of course he is, right? Mm -hmm. They're being uh, called out for their participation, their financial support of the recent white supremacist incitement of the insurrection that took place at the Capitol on January 6th. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cameron, shocker, Daniel Cameron is a member of this National Association of Republican AG's nine-member executive committee. And these same... Uh, jurors, grand jurors, Dustin, are saying not only did you mislead and lie to us about what we could do in the case of Breonna Taylor, you're also taking taxpayer dollars from our state and using them to support white supremacy and domestic terrorism. And for that, you should also be impeached. Yeah, his ass got to go. He has got to go and he's got to go now. So I I hope that this thing moves swiftly. Yes. However it ends up going. I hope that it's quick. Yeah, he's... mm. He got to go. He's a bitch. He's a bitch and and he's a hot mm-hmm. mess and he goes to show elections have consequences. You see how different mm-hmm. this shit is looking mm-hmm. than the way the case of brother George Floyd's killing is looking. Derek Chauvin is awaiting just in a couple of months. His ass is going to be on trial for second degree yes. murder. And that is because the attorney general there is brother Keith Ellison. Yeah. Okay. So big so difference. Who, big Fucking difference. Big difference, Ebony. Big difference. Y'all, you got to vote in every election for every position. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect extreme case of the difference who your AG is makes. Yeah. On the path to justice. So with that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break uh, now that we've concluded our docket for today. Uh, and for just for today, honey, because we're going to have more docket, what, next week? And that's, that's on right. what? Mary Had a Little Lamb. And that's, <laughs> that's on 1908. Right. And that's on <laughs> the Hedgeman Law, okay? You know, I'm really on one today. I don't know what has gotten into me. Uh, but when we come back from break, we are going to have um, our very special guest, um, a white yes. man who's about the work, been about the work, Ben Cohen, of course, one of the co-founders of Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream and Treats, mm-hmm. um, is going to join us to talk about why white supremacy is a white people problem. Ben is really going to tell us about exactly how white people need to do the hard work of dismantling white supremacy because they built it. So next up on Holding Court, we got Ben Cohen and much more Holding Court after this. Okay, welcome back to Holding Court. Now, we are joined by an extremely special guest. Uh, you, 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 If you don't know him by name, you certainly know his good-ass ice cream. Yes, you do. I'm talking about Ben Cohen. Ben Cohen, of course, of Ben & Jerry's Ice Creams and Treats. Uh, and, and it's what I love about Ben & Jerry as a brand, if you don't know, they have been about this life. They have been about this work. Uh, the founders, Ben & Jerry, 
have always spoken up and used their enormous platforms for social justice and greater humanity. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, absolutely. So with that, Ben Cohen, brother, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you on Holding Court. Wow. Good to be here. Thanks Absolutely. for that very kind intro. Well, it's true. I remember, you know, when I was in college at Carolina during my law school days, and I talk a lot about this notion of the price of disruption, right? Mm -hmm. Which is when someone or some company has worked to establish a platform and a following, and then they can sometimes pay a price of disrupting the status quo by speaking out. And sometimes that can cost. But one of the things I love about Ben and Jerry's, you guys' bottom line has not really been negatively impacted. If anything, your sales are up. Tell us about yep. that, Ben. Uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. When we first started taking social and political stands, mm -hmm. everybody, the accountants, the lawyers, the business advisors, uh, professors at business colleges were telling us, you're crazy. Whoa, 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 what you doing, Ben? What you doing, Ben? Right. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. going to kill your business. It's not possible to, you know, ser serve the community, to fight for people's basic human needs mm -hmm. at the same time that you make a profit. You know, what can I say? We, uh, we proved them wrong. And it is true that the more social stands and political stands we take, which are essentially stands for justice, fairness, and equality, you know, those American values. Right. Uh, the, those the more we do it, the more ice cream we sell. It's, That's amazing. Uh, it's a beautiful amazing. thing. Yeah, love to see it. I love to see it. We're big fans of doing well while Absolutely. doing good, you know, and those two things do not have to be mutually exclusive. Uh, amen to that. And to that point, you know, one of the more recent uh, things you guys have done as a company are you're uh, allowing portions of your proceeds of the Colin Kaepernick change the world flavor of Ben and Jerry's yeah. ice cream. And some of the proceeds are going directly to Cap's Know Your Rights camp. So, again, putting your money very literally where your mouth is. That's right. We're here for it. We're here for it. So we wanted yeah. to have, yeah, we wanted to have you on the show for a very particular reason. Now, I have been really toiling with this, Ben, particularly around what conversations, I'm wondering, and doesn't I'm talk about it, I wonder, we're talking about it all the time, this notion of white supremacy, this moment we feel of black liberation and further, and, and through black liberation, right, the liberation of all Americans. Exactly. You know, because that's, that's exactly what that is. Through the returning of black humanity is a return to humanity for all citizens. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we're talking about it. Yeah. And we're having these conversations intra the black community. Mm -hmm. But it has us thinking, I wonder what conversations white folk are having, particularly with other white folk. Right, Ben? Well, you know, what I've been saying is that this is not a black problem. This is a white problem. White supremacy. The mm -hmm. people who have the power, the people who have the ability to solve this problem and the people who have created the problem have skin the color of mine, and it's up to us to undo the damage. I love that you say that because to me it's so, it's profound, and at the same time it's such common sense, mm -hmm. right? Because when we start talking about uh, white supremacy and black subordination, which are two sides of the same exact coin, we know as descendants of, of African, uh, you know, African ancestry and descendants of American slaves, we as black folk did not construct 
white supremacy or black subordination. So how in the hell can, can we, we deconstruct can we it? it? Yeah. yeah, how can we deconstruct something we did not construct nor yeah. build? I think that the vast majority of white people in this country are not so insecure or ill-equipped that they have to be in a codependent relationship on black subordination and desperately in need of holding on to white supremacy. I actually think most white people in this country at this point in time can survive and succeed independent, divorced, and completely non-supported by a structure of white supremacy. I, I think it's absolutely correct. I am inviting white folk in this country to have these conversations, but have them not just with your black friends or your black allies, have them with your fellow white folk. Because I really think people like you, Ben, and Sir uh, Richard Branson, who also speaks to this, uh, you guys are in an enormous position to really start these conversations uh, amongst your fellow white folk. And it's, it's important. Um, so let's talk a bit about where those opportunities can stem from. And I know one that's important to you, it's important to me, it's important to Dustin, yes. is, is police accountability. Most people understand that what we need is more trust between the police and the communities that they're supposed to serve. And the current system uh, does not provide accountability for police when they screw up. And, you know, the police are the only element of our society that we the people in our name and with our money give the power to use lethal force. And that needs to carry with it a lot of accountability, a lot more than they get. And right now, police are less accountable than virtually anybody else in the society when they screw up. After the Civil War in the 1870s, there was a problem that a lot of police were members of the Ku Klux Klan. And the Congress uh, passed a law called the Civil Rights Act of 1871, which came to be known as the Ku Klux Klan Act. Yep. And it said that anybody whose constitutional or civil rights were violated could sue that person in court, including a cop. Mm -hmm. And strange thing, the perverse irony is that the Supreme Court in a series of decisions invented this doctrine that's come to be known as qualified immunity that's based on that law yes. that was designed to hold cops accountable. And they've turned it around into a judicial doctrine that lets cops get off scot-free when they violate somebody's rights. They perverted it. thrown out of court. I mean, literally perverted. I mean, it is so crazy. I mean, essentially what the doctrine says is that uh, you cannot sue a policeman for violating your civil rights unless there has been another cop who has violated someone else's civil rights in that jurisdiction in exactly the same way, yep. and which is almost impossible to prove. And that's that's exactly the end. And I speak as an attorney, right? That's exactly the type of intricacy that creates distrust. You know, that's that type of that's what people call a loophole. Right. One of the things I've been talking a lot about, Ben, in addition to ending qualified immunity, the mere 
standard, statutory standard for deadly force by cops has been one of reasonable fear. So basically any cop in any jurisdiction can say, ah, I was in reasonable fear. And what the hell is that? That could be anything. That could be made up in any capacity. And if all the cop has to do is assert their subjective belief of reasonable fear, they're never going to be held accountable. So we are working on legislation, Ben, that says that the cop must prove necessity. That deadly force must be done out of necessity. Not just, right? Not just your so-called reasonable fear because they are not held accountable. They're not even having charges brought against them. So I, I think between the two, both ending qualified immunity, which subjects law enforcement that act out of the scope and bounds of their duty to civil liability, that has to be done. And at the same time, we must raise that standard of deadly force to one of necessity. Those are critically important pieces. And let me ask you this, Ben, how aggressive do you think those of us that share in this important belief need to be with the new Biden-Harris administration on getting it passed? Hugely. You know, as you know, the Amash Presley bill was introduced last session. Uh, there were around 60 some odd co-sponsors. Uh, you know, the George Floyd Justice Justice and Policing Act also had a provision to overturn qualified immunity. And, you know, all the Democrats were on board. But uh, I got to say that the police unions are uh, probably some of the biggest problems that we've got in terms of overturning qualified immunity. And we have to say that as citizens, police need to be held accountable. Otherwise, they're above the law. And we are supposed to be in national laws. So I, I think it's going to take a tremendous effort, really, to overturn qualified immunity. And, and I would just encourage people to go to the campaign to end qualified immunity and, you know, put your email in there and be part of the solution. Well, Ben, we're going to put that in our episode notes because we want everybody listening to this to do the same. And you said in a recent Yahoo Finance interview, and this is exactly why I reached out to you. You said we must dismantle white supremacy and we have to understand that this is a white problem. And when you say that, obviously, you're talking to your fellow white folk. What conversations um, are you having with other white people and for any white people listening to this? Because, yes, we do have white listeners and we thank y'all. Um, how does how should they, if they're not Ben Cohen, right, and they're used to showing up on the front lines of this work, how can they still be instrumental in facilitating dialogue of dismantling a uh, white supremacy rather within white communities? You know, I think uh, most white people that uh, that I run into are not aware of how white supremacy works and hmm. they're not aware of how black people end up getting screwed by white people unintentionally. There's a lot of white people that are just going about their lives, trying to be good people, caring people. They, they believe in justice, they believe in equality, but uh, the reality is that they don't start hunting around for how have I possibly done something that's you know, subjugated black people. And, you know, as an employer, you know, a lot of times you get 
references from the so-called old boys network. Yeah. Well, yep. you know, my old boys network is a bunch of white old boys. And so we don't get references for black people because, you know, white people kind of hang out with white people and black people yeah. hang out with black people. I hope that that is starting to, you know, change. You know, for instance, I'm setting up a, a, a new business in Colorado. It's actually a pot business. And, you know, and a big part of the purpose of the business is to right the wrongs of the war on drugs, which mm. pretty much uh, singled out black people. And so we said, yep. uh, we want to hire, you know, a black accountant mm -hmm. who knows the pot rules. I mean, if you just kind of talk to your you know, white lawyer, I mean, they're recommending people in their network. Yeah, it's the status quo. It's that's it, yeah, because I was say, Ben, you should have called me. I know a whole bunch of damn black CPAs who mm -hmm. jumped on the chance. But I see your point, right? Your point is, is when we go about the same procedure as we've always gone about, we get the same results. That's it. Uh, and, and that's, that's exactly right. for all of us. You it's need to go out of your way. Yes, it has to be. This is why it's called, and it's been so politicized, affirmative action, not passive action, affirmative action. You cannot be not racist. You can either be anti-racist or racist. That's it. You cannot be neutral. I'm on this show called The Real Housewives of New York. It's bananas. Um, and I'm having a lot of these conversations with my white counterparts because I am the first black woman been on the show in 13 years. Congratulations. What is oh, well, I thank you, I think. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things that is becoming apparent to me in having more conversations with white people, I don't think a lot of white people recognize that, that there is black oppression still afoot. They see LeBron James, they see Jay-Z and Beyonce, they see Simone Biles, they see Serena Williams, they see Dustin Ross, or maybe oh. even Ebony K. Well, I'm serious though, Dustin, I'm very fucking serious. And they say, looks like black people doing all right to me, but that's what they generally see. Those are the black people that they are uh, presented in mass media. And so these notions have been, when you start talking about black oppression, they are willfully and blissfully unaware that it is even existing in 2021. I think what you're talking about is uh, the racial wealth gap. Yep, yep. You know, I think about my parents, they began to accumulate, you know, I mean, not much, you know, some wealth, some equity by utilizing a government loan to buy a house after World mm -hmm. War II. It was not available to black people. And, and so that generational wealth, I mean, you know, because of my parents, the wealth that they generated, I was able to go to a decent college. Yeah, I dropped out. But anyhow, I was. Well, it looks like shit worked out all right for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It worked out all right for me, but... Yeah. If I hadn't been brought up in the neighborhood I was brought up in, if I hadn't gone to the uh, the public schools that I mm. went to that were good mm. public schools, right, it wouldn't happen. When we say systematic racism, this is what it looks like. Systematic generational oppression of black life in America. This is exactly what it looks like. Um, ben, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. 
Um, you've been about that life and that's important. You know, it's a lot of, listen, and we, we, we welcome new allies and advocates of anti-racist work. The door is open. The door is wide From open. A joyful journey for justice. Yes, but you've been about yes. the work. You've been about it. And that's important too, to acknowledge the people that have made these sacrifices and done this uncomfortable, but it, but critically important work before it was mainstream. When, when, when it was like super taboo to say Black Lives Matter, which was, oh, I don't know, two or three years ago, <laughs> you were saying Black Lives Matter. Loudly. And, and we remember it. Yeah. And we remember it. And we thank you. Now, before I let you go, I got an ice cream flavor pitch for you, Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's now, important. I like I, I, ice cream you, I, I, you know, uh, Master P taught me to always be thinking commercially. And so that's here right. we go. Here we go. <laughs> the ice cream flavor pitch is this. When we get a little further down this work of racial reconciliation uh, and 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 dis dismantling white supremacy and fully liberating black life in America. Here, here it is. Close your eyes and picture it. Ebony and ivory in perfect harmony. The flavors are a rich coconut. Okay, that's the ivory. And then a beautiful, dark, semi-sweet, uh, uh, dark chocolate is your ebony. And if you want to go ahead and spell ebony, E-B-O-N-I, I'm not <laughs> mad at that. Okay, I'm not mad at that. Okay, ebony and ivory in perfect harmony. Coconut and dark chocolate. Let's get into it. Ben, I just want you to know that I was thoroughly inspired by uh, the social media posts that Ben and Jerry's made on 420 about the legalization of marijuana. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how those posts from you guys are always substantiated with factual information. I, I love that, right? Mm -hmm. So after I was inspired by that post, I was then inspired to enjoy my favorite flavor by you guys right now. I'm a huge fan. And the, the creme brulee cookie, non-dairy frozen dessert. Yeah. It is on jam. I just want you to know that, man. It's it's the perfect compliment to that 420 post, just so you good, know. Good to hear that we're meeting your needs. It's connecting. <laughs> it is connecting. It's connecting. <laughs> okay. Big Cohen, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you. We'll have you back on holding court anytime. Thank you. All right. Good talking to you. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all know the deal. Follow us, subscribe, give us a review. We read them all. Okay. Yes, Tell do. your friends. Absolutely. Get the word out. Check out our episode notes. Perfect example is in this week's episode notes. You're going to see a link to click this in qualified immunity act. Okay. It's very, very important. So check out our notes. We put links to activism on this show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hold a court comes to you from uppity productions in association with Dossie media and presented by the black effect network of iHeartRadio. Audio services provided always by One of One Productions. Check them out, y'all. One of One Productions.com. Y'all come back with us next week when court's back in session. And in the meantime, stay safe, keep your mask on, socially distance. If you qualify, get that vaccine. And as That's always, right. do what, Dustin Ross? Read your terms and your conditions. Amen. <laughs>